I'm starting a series called Feast to Famine to Feast. And we're going to start out with famine. Uh, the text that I have this morning is 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 24 to chapter 7, verse 20. And it starts out with famine. And this morning I was thinking, on a Sunday morning, probably people are thinking about food. And if food is on your mind on a Sunday morning, especially as we get further along in the, in the service, maybe you have a pot roast at home cooking uh, especially for mom. And the closer we get to noon, the more it's going to smell pretty good. And you're going, okay, Pastor Scott, make sure you're done by noon because the roast is going to be done at 12.05. Or maybe um, you're looking to go out to Friendly's or Denny's afterwards and Oh, your favorite meal is going to be there. You're going to have some, some good food, a ham maybe, or uh, some fish, or I don't know what you'd like to have, a great big steak, and that just sounds pretty great. Your mouth begins to water, and you begin to think about that. But then I want to turn your attention to what was going on in 2 Kings chapter 6. What the children of Israel, it might, I, I, my intention is not to ruin your Mother's Day meal this morning, but that might happen before the end of today. I, I started off with this verse. Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Um, I, I don't know about you, but maybe this is how you feel, feel today. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 1. The people in 2 Kings chapter 6 can absolutely understand where you're coming from. Because uh, as they're living their life, things are not very good. The state that we have the children of Israel in is that they are under siege. They are surrounded by the full might of the Syrian king Ben-Hadad. And things are not good. They have been under siege for a long time, and things look desperate. And what I'd like to do as we begin this morning is read that passage of Scripture starting in 2 Kings chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading in, in, chapter, in verse 24. It says, And it happened... After this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. And one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings was for five shekels of silver. Then, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my king, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she said, This woman said to me, Give your son, that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son, 
and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son, that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Not happened when the king heard heard the words of the woman, that he tore his clothes. And as he passed by on the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Um, not the most encouraging portion of scripture to start out with on a Sunday morning, is it? But I hope that as you read that passage of scripture, it began to make what you're going to have for lunch sound a whole lot better. I hope that, that you you are don't feel like you're in this depressed city. That you don't you cannot relate to what the children of Israel are going through. And we're gonna we're gonna take a look and we're gonna stop at some of these places and we're gonna see how this passage of scripture takes a look at and and looks at people who are in the midst of famine. Things are not going good for them. And we see where some of the problems lie. And we begin to look at what we can do to make a difference in our hearts. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you that this morning as we gathered around our breakfast table and as we look at our lunch coming up, we are not in the same state that you put the children of Israel in. All of a sudden, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we are thankful that our life is not as bad as theirs. And Lord, some of us in this room, we may have come here today discouraged. We might have come down and out. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand that God understands. That He's got a plan. And sometimes it's in the midst of the doldrums of life that we find your grace to be so, so powerful. I pray that you might work on our hearts this morning. I pray that you might take this passage of Scripture and help us to apply it to where we are. Bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read in Psalm 69, the Psalms are usually uplifting portions of Scripture, but when they are written by guys like David, David had terrible, awful times in his life. And I wonder if maybe Psalm 69 was a passage of Scripture that some of the children of Israel could have related to. In Psalm 69 and verse 1, it says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in a deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty. Who would destroy me? Being my enemy, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. As I, I think about what David went through, what the children of Israel have gone through, what many people go through, um, I spoke to someone this week that said, I spent the whole morning crying. Sometimes those are the situations we find ourselves in. 
Sometimes life is not easy. Sometimes life is hard. The children of Israel and the people and the people of the Bible can understand. The first thing I saw in here, the lack, and as I look at the lack of food, was a donkey's head was sold for eighty shekels. That's sixteen hundred dollars. I don't, I don't even think a donkey's head is edible. I understand it is and it would be, but I, no, I, I no, not something I want to do. Uh, I had pet horses, and I don't think I ever gotten to the point where one of them looked tasty, and that does not sound appealing at all. But imagine what these people were, what state they were in. It gets worse. Because did you read what, and you probably read it, and you probably saw lunches were going to look really good after this, and you're going to wish you'd never read these words. It says, doves droppings were sold for five shekels. A hundred dollars. Imagine taking your birdcage and scraping the bottom of it, and that's lunch, and you're so desperate, you would be willing to pay a hundred dollars for them. Um, the NIV uh, tried to fool us all by calling it seed pods. Nope. Dove's dung, right? Gross. Imagine, that's the food that you have to eat. That's the situation that the children of Israel find themselves in. Yes. Seed pods. Yeah, a nice way of saying the reality that's there. Try, um, trying to make it look pretty, but it wasn't pretty at all. There's nothing pretty about this situation. Death must have seemed real for these people. In order for those things to look tasty at all, I'm guessing that, that death at any moment must have seen, seemed like it, it absolutely could be there. Their life was terrible. And so I, I kind of I went to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'd like us to turn there also and to, to just contemplate this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not on us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our in our body. And let's face it, today there are still people in very desperate situations. Things look awful on the outside, and doom and gloom may be something that feels very real. But when God is on your side, and that's part of the point of, of this whole story, you have hope. 
And as I read this passage of Scripture, I see and I notice a godless society, first of all. But then as we get into, and I'm kind of setting the stage here, as we get into weeks 2 and 3 and 4, we're going to see that when God steps in and He sends His man into the situation to make a difference, everything changes. And God has the power to make a difference in your life. It is a totally different thing to face trials and situations when you have God and you have the Holy Spirit helping you and being there for you than if you don't. I'm sure that that for these people, the terror on the outside was very, very real. As they looked out of the walls in which they feel trapped, they had the Syrian army ready to kill them. It's not a pretty picture for the people living on the inside. They were without the necessities of life. And as I think about that, I ask you, trials are going to come to no matter who you are sitting in this room. Are you prepared for when the trials come in your life? Do you have the necessary tools and things you need to help you get through the trials and tribulations that are going to come? There are going to be lean times in your life. Struggles will come. And when they do, to who are you going to run to? Because the truth of the matter is that if Christ is not at the center of it and we don't have Him to rely on, we're going to be just like these people. And we began to see a lack of morals. Did you read that? I, I, I could. I have never read Scripture and heard people groan as I read it, as we read that statement. We will eat your son today and tomorrow we'll boil mine. That broke everybody in this room's heart. I, I, I just thought about that. I planned this on Mother's Day. Uh, I don't know that that was the wisest thing. But I, I don't think any of you mothers in this room, that would be even a thought that could enter your heart. That, okay, I'm so hungry that all of a sudden my infant child begins to look tasty. How terrible that would be. My question I ask of you today is who do you turn to when times get tough? Who do you run to when things are difficult? These women, they didn't turn to God. They didn't go running to God. They went running to the king because they, they thought he would have the answer. In Psalm chapter 20, this is a, this is a verse that I can remember Years ago, I had a computer in my office at camp. It was back way when we had like Windows 98 or something like that. And they had, there used to be a scrolling text that would run across your screen as a screensaver. And this was what I had as my screensaver. It said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Of our Lord. As we look at this passage of Scripture, and as we consider what the children of Israel were doing, as they are surrounded by the Syrian army, 
they come to a point where these two women are having this conversation. They say, okay, we're going to eat my child today. And tomorrow for dinner, for lunch, we're going to have your child when we get hungry again. And then when it came time to eat child number two, she went back on her promise. And as I look at that, who are we going to trust in the difficult times of life? And these women in the text that we saw, they went running to someone. They went running to the king. And the king didn't have the answers. And I see a, I see a lot of things in, in this passage of scripture. As I look at this and as things have gotten so bad, their morals began to go downhill to the point where, and you just watch it, they're going to eat a donkey's head and they're going to eat dove droppings and they are desperate. And sometimes when people get desperate and they don't have God to lean on, their morals become compromised. And that's what happened in this situation. There was a compromise of morals. Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm, or Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. In Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9, it says, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. We need someone to stand up for the things that are right. When trials come, and God is not on your side, and you don't have Him to lean on, you will begin to compromise your morals. Some of the ways I see that is I see a devaluation of human life. Notice in this story, the weak were the first to suffer. The children couldn't speak up for themselves, and that was the first person to be attacked. I look at this passage of Scripture, and I see infanticide and cannibalism. They had a reason for doing it. They had run out of money. And today in our society, as I, as I look, I see that, that human life is not appreciated. And we begin to, we look at this story and it breaks our heart and we say, how could a society get to a place where this is okay? Where as soon as problems begin to come up, we don't see people running and, and falling on their knees before God. But we see them running to the king and saying, this is what's wrong. And we just see things going downhill so bad. And, and I know that maybe it might be a jump. But this is the way I feel in my heart. And I know many of you do too. As, our, as we compromise our morals, we begin to see things happen in our society. Abortion, euthanasia. Are we so different than the children of Israel whose morals were compromised? Who things were heading down desperately and in a bad way? I put up a statement there. Darwinism will lead to death. Um, we have a problem in this world. We have neglected 
the fact that God is the creator and the author of life. And I notice, I, I showed a film in a science class this week called No Intelligence Allowed. And it was a satire put together by a group of Christian scientists who have this idea that intelligent life, intelligent design, the fact that God is the creator of life is an important thing for us to understand. And as that gets silenced, there is a definite change in the moral thinking and the compromise of a society. And that's an important issue for us to understand. And as Christians, we need to speak up and we need to say something. Or else our society is going to fall apart. And you look at and as compromise happens, you can see step by step that this is the direction it will head. You don't believe me. You say, well, that's just something written in the Bible. And that was thousands of years ago. And that wasn't an educated society like we have today. You know, tell that to the Germans of the 1940s. Tell that to the Soviets that followed. And look and watch as you see our country heading that direction. How long will it be before the stories that we read here become reality? And you, as, as a person sitting in this pew, are asked to compromise your beliefs. I found it very interesting as I was studying and as I was preparing for this that it's found in Proverbs chapter 31, this passage of Scripture that I read to you this morning. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. The next words are a passage of scripture that you may have thought that I would be reading this morning. Proverbs chapter 31. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly, willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is still yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her prophets she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. 
Her husband is known in the gates when she sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. That is what we need today. What is going to make a difference in a world in which life is compromised, in which morals are compromised and people head down a dark and dreary road is we need a virtuous woman. We need women who will stand up and speak for what is right. We need mothers who are willing to go out of their way, stand up and be counted, and say that life is precious. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I had a number of verses that I could have used. I recently used some verses from Ezekiel chapter 18 and Ezekiel chapter 32. But in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. To God, life is precious. He's the creator of it. He's the author of it. And He desires people who will stand up and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. As I continue to read this passage of Scripture, one of the big things that I saw from Luke, 2 Kings chapter 6 is a lack of leadership. These women, they go to the king, the man who should stand up and say what's right, but this king is impotent. He's faithless. His leadership is lacking. And when these women come to him and they say, here's what's going on. Uh, we've eaten this child and now it's time to eat this child and she won't give her child up. The king, what he does. The first thing that this king does is he begins to blame God and God's man. Isn't it funny how, how leadership and people who don't believe in God who don't want to have anything to do with God, they don't spend time with Him, they don't talk to Him, they don't read His Word. When problems begin to happen, who is the first person that they begin to blame? God. How could God do this? If God, you know, why would God allow this to do? But the rest of the time, when things are going good, they don't want to have anything to do with Him. They don't want to acknowledge Him. They don't want to acknowledge that that He is able to do these things, and they don't want to acknowledge His grace, His mercy. And that he has a plan in their lives. It's only when the bad times come. I've, I've noticed that that there are some people that when their life begins to go on a downward spiral, they want to blame God and talk about, and why is it that God's not doing anything in my life? 
and then they begin to pour their heart out to God, and things begin to get good, and things begin to head in the right direction, and who do they forget about? God. Who don't they talk to anymore? God. The Bible begins to spend more time on the shelf because things are going good. And in this situation, I noticed as I read through 2 Kings chapter 6, something that I'd never seen before. I've read this and I've read this, but I wrote down here, the king wanted to maintain his dignity. If you read 2 Kings chapter 6 carefully, you're going to see him walking through the streets in his kingly apparel. And then he hears this story from the women, and he tears his clothes. And what's on underneath his clothes? The sackcloth. I never noticed that before until I was studying this. And as I look at that and I read that, I go, oh boy, this king wanted to look good on the outside, but on the inside, he knew that there were problems. He wanted everybody to see on the outside a measure of dignity in that, that he was in control. But the truth of the matter is, is that as we look at this, the king tore his clothes, but not his heart. He felt sorry, but there was no change of heart. He still wanted to attack God and God's man. That immediately sent off this verse from Joel chapter 2 in my mind. And in Joel chapter 2, which is another passage of Scripture, which isn't the most comforting of Scriptures, but in Joel chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, it says, The Lord gives voice before His army, for His camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in kindness. In verse 31 of this passage, as I already said, he wanted to blame God's man. This is Elisha's fault. And by this time tomorrow, I want you to remove his head from him because look at all this terrible fault things. This is Elisha's fault. This is this is that man of God's fault. Let's blame him. I think we still do that today. That when things go go bad, we want to blame it on the, I don't hear from God. I don't see God at work. And the truth of the matter is that if you neglect God, you don't go seeking after His grace, aren't daily in His Word. When problems come, your morals will be compromised and things will get worse in a hurry. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah chapter 41. I also put down here that he loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. During your life, 
Who is it that you are concerned with? Who is it that you care notices what you are doing and the things that are going on in your life? Is it God or is it the world? Is it the people in your workplace is it, or is it your Savior? Who do you run to? We read from the book of Amos this morning. Amos chapter 8 in our scripture reading. I don't know if Amos has ever been a scripture passage that uh, we've read before. But the key verse that I wanted to get to in the book of Amos chapter 8 was verses 11 and 12. In 11 and 12 it says, But the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. I believe that this passage of Scripture um, was seen in the days of Josiah in the nation of Israel. I believe that this is a day that the world will see again when, when the word of God becomes illegal. But I want to talk about this in a very personal way. This book, it's going to get you through the hard times. It's going to be something that you need in your life every single day. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to say amen, and you are all going to head out the door, and you've got a wonderful meal waiting for you. And I hope you enjoy it. Maybe you're feeling hungry right now, and you're saying, okay, I can't wait to get to that restaurant, or I can't wait to get home to that roast. But I ask you today, this is what's really going to satisfy you. And if you're a poor, needy sinner, and things aren't heading in the right direction for you, you might not be looking forward to a donkey's head or dove droppings or this, this afternoon. But if this book has been on the shelf, if this book is getting dusty, that's your spiritual food. You can't live on that. You can't live on a couple of verses on a Sunday morning, spiritually. Maybe you're in famine from the Word of God. You need this book. If you want to stand up for what's right, you don't want your morals to be compromised. You need to be in this book. Last night I wrote in the spirit in the um, prayer focus update about God's rubric, the standard by which He looks at our lives. It's in the Word of God. If you want to know how you ought to live and what you need to do. This is what you need. This morning when I started, I kind of had a plan. And my plan was based on this. I wanted you to think about food. So I talked about the roast in the oven, the ham that might be waiting for you, or going to a restaurant. I wanted your mouth to water. That was my plan. That's what I wanted. I don't know if it worked. Maybe it worked for you. Probably worked better on the gentlemen in this room than the ladies. But I had a plan. And my plan was this final statement. Does your mouth water for food? It often does. And I'm so thankful that when I leave here, 
It's not a donkey's head. It's not dove's droppings that I'll be eating, but it's something good. Does my mouth water the same way for the Word of God? When I wake up in the morning, is that what I crave first? Or would I rather go and have a plate of bacon? Is God's Word what my soul longs for? Today, maybe it's been a while since you've picked this book up faithfully. You've read it. It's been something that you've daily spent time with. Watch out, your morals are going to be compromised. Spend time in God's Word every single day. Crave this. It will change your life. It's a spiritual necessity. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Verse 1, I think, fits in. Actually, I want to read verses 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, laying aside malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Do you need the grace of God this morning? Go to the book. Are your morals compromised this morning? Go to the book. Crave it. Desire it. When there's a famine for the word of God in your life, things are going to begin to spiral out of control. You need the word of God. Let's pray.